1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Just want to introduce you to Dr. Mark Terman. If you haven't heard him, he's been with us before. He is from the Denison Forum. He's the executive director of Denison Forum and vice president of Denison Ministries. And among his many duties, Mark is the host of the Denison Forum podcast. He's also the chief strategist for the Denison Forum pastors, which equips pastors and church leaders to understand and transform today's culture. And good morning to you, Mark, and welcome back. Yeah, Tommy and I just love it when you come with us. And uh, we, uh, one of the reasons we love it is we let you talk about hard things and we ask you questions, Mark. That's one of the reasons <laughs> you're here with us today. Um, our good friend, our mutual friend, Dr. Jim Dennison, wrote an article last week. Um, and his it was the title that really gripped me. And it says, Why has Hamas's violence against women been ignored? And I thought, Wait a second, what, what is he talking about here? But the second part of that, he says, a reflection on the path to persuasive hope. And I want to get to the hope, but let's see what's going on here. What is Jim talking about with this particular article? And then why is this issue being ignored? Yeah, thank you for that. And one of the real tragedies of this war, uh, this conflict, is as it unfolds, we become more and more aware of some of the brutality and some of the details uh, and some of those things that Hamas not only did, but celebrated, videotaped, and then uh, published and publicized on the Internet. Uh, one of those things is becoming apparent, but uh, in many ways ignored by major news media, is the brutality of Hamas, Hamas toward women. Uh, that there are increasing reports that uh, Hamas uh, sexually abused women when they attacked Israel on October the 7th. Uh, that possibly uh, it is becoming known that one of the reasons that they haven't kept to the details of the ceasefire and the release of of Israeli prisoners, they've not allowed women to be released because they don't want those women telling the story of what happened to them uh, when they were attacked, when they were kidnapped, when they've been taken. Uh, But Hamas celebrates power for power's sake, and particularly the ability to intimidate others by what they have done to uh, some of the victims and to some of these hostages that they continue to hold. It's just unbelievably brutal and is a human rights violation that the whole world should pay attention to and should oppose in every way, especially these crimes against children and crimes against women. And uh, you're listening to Mark Terman of Denison Forum uh, commenting on this and helping us understand what's been happening. I, I had heard, too, that they were not releasing uh, women 
uh, hostages due to the stories they could tell. Um, this violence against women, was it also done before the war or, or is this something they've been doing and then it's just manifesting through through this conflict? Yeah, I think it's been one of the tools in the Hamas toolbox of coercion and intimidation. And people should understand this is not only directed at uh, Israelis and Israeli women, but this is a tool that Hamas will use against Palestinians. Um, and one of the distinctions that Dr. Dennison and others continue to try to make clear is the Palestinians are being oppressed, not by the Israelis, but by terrorist groups like Hamas. Uh, Hamas's agenda is not to advance the cause, the peace-loving cause of Palestinians and others. Their goal is power for themselves, and they will abuse their own uh, uh, colleagues, their own fellow citizens, the other Palestinians. They will abuse them, use them as shields, and use them as tools to advance their agenda. And what we are learning and need to understand is, is that, yes, this is a conflict between Israel and Hamas, but Israel has no desire to dominate the Palestinian people. They desire to have, uh, to have, for those folks to have freedom and peace. There have been multiple attempts over multiple decades to enable the Palestinians to have their own uh, state and their own government. But those efforts continue to, to fall apart, not because of Israel, but because of the dissension and disunity within the Palestinian people, and especially the terrorist uh, oppression that comes from Hamas and other groups similar to them. Okay, you're hearing the voice of Dr. Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. And, and just let me ask this, because this is a narrative we're not hearing, Mark. Um, uh, the narrative you hear is that uh, Israel is the oppressor and the Palestinian people are oppressed. And that's what kind of sparked all of this. But what you're sharing right now is there is oppression for the Palestinian people. That's coming from, especially in that area of Gaza where Hamas is controlled, that's coming from Hamas itself, not from the Israel, for, from Israel. Exactly. And, and uh, Hamas desires uh, an oppressive kind of regime. But what we've been hearing in our, in our part of the world through many of the narrative sources that come out is that Israel is an occupying, colonial, colonializing oppressor. That idea has grown up in many ways through our universities and our colleges that have subscribed for the last number of years to a critical theory that says if somebody is in a place of authority or in a place of leadership or power, they got there by oppressing someone else. And that that's the only pathway that someone comes into a position of authority or power. And therefore, anyone in those positions is an oppressor. That's a common uh, academic philosophy based in critical theory that is not in keeping with what reality is and is not in keeping uh, with what's going on in this particular case. Um, the idea that anyone that is leading and leading with virtue got there by oppressing others is just unwarranted and unfounded. Dr. Mark Terman is our guest. He is the host of the Denison Forum podcast. He's a good friend of the program, and he's walking us through what's happening uh, between Hamas and Israel and the conflict that's happening there and the Palestinians and the is uh, the Israeli people and everybody that's kind of caught in the middle of this. And, and then those of us in the West, and, and we don't really understand the tension that's going on there. And some people are thinking, well, 
Um, do you have to blindly follow Israel? Is Israel perfect in this? And in our conversation backstage, you're saying, no, they haven't been perfect in this, but we're talking about this particular conflict. And I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit more, Mark. Well, yes. And we have to realize that there is no human government that is perfect in all of its actions and its policies. There's just, there's no such thing. Human beings building governmental systems and that type of thing, political systems, none of those are ever going to be perfect. Uh, but this particular attack was uh, not only uh, completely unprovoked, it actually happened through a very big cloak of deception where uh, the Palestinians and particularly the group Hamas uh, acted like for months on end that they wanted peace, while at the same time their leaders were at the highest level secretly planning uh, the brutal invasion that occurred on October 7th. So they were acting in absolute deception. Uh, now, yes, absolutely. The relationship between uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians going back uh, not just decades, but centuries uh, is very complicated. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but there have been multiple attempts since 1948 in coming forward for uh, what is called the two-state solution. Uh, Israel has repetitively agreed to forms of the two-state solution, only to have the Arabs uh, refuse to embrace one of those uh, one of those solutions that would give the Palestinians their own land, their own country, their own government. Uh, and as one of our friends in Israel says, yes, there are real conflicts uh, and struggles between Palestinians and Israelis, but there are much deeper conflicts among the Palestinians themselves. They struggle and have not yet been able to put together a, uh, a, a way to where they can have governmental leaders who love and desire peace with their neighbors and that they as a people will follow. Uh, and that happened, go back to 2005, and the leaders of Hamas won, quote unquote, won an election and became a part of the ruling authority of the Palestinians but they have continued to use brutality, violence, coercion, and intimidation rather than to pursue policies of peace with their neighbors, both Palestinians and Israelis. Uh, they struggle to get along because of that. Mm. That's a great clarification to make. And and of course, the people that are hurt the most, whether it's the physical um, violence uh, or it, through the bombing and the war or through the sexual violence that's not getting as much attention, it's women and children. Yes, and that's one of the distinctions that we have to make here is that Hamas sees no distinction between civilian and soldier, between uh, women and men, between adults and children. They, they refuse to ignore that, and they believe that anything that they do to advance their cause is justified and is morally equivalent to what anything that might have been done to them in order to contain them. Uh, I, don't I don't believe that is the case. There's no way that the brutality that we saw on October 7th uh, against children, against women, uh, all of those things violate international law when it comes to conflict between nations. Uh, and Hamas does not make distinctions. As uh, Dr. Dennison and others have said, you know, if, if, uh, is if Israel put down its weapons today, there would be mass, uh, mass destruction from Hamas and other terrorist groups. If Hamas and others put down their weapons, there would be peace because the Israelis 
and many of the other countries in this region desire peace. And if you went to Israel before this conflict, you would see Israelis and Palestinians living side by side. They're many times close friends. Uh, they work together in all kinds of industries. There are thousands upon thousands, millions of Palestinians and Israelis who work together in harmonious relationships. But groups like Hamas are determined to destroy Israel, and that is their agenda. And they will use any means within their reach to accomplish it, even if it is the abuse of women and children, senior adults, civilians. They don't care as long as it advances their agenda of power by intimidation. Mm. Okay, you're hearing the voice of Dr. Mark Terman, and again, you're sharing some things, Mark, that that just mainstream-wise, we're not hearing. All we hear is there's conflict between Palestinians and Israel. Conflict, conflict, conflict. But you're just saying that uh, if you were there before this conflict, you would see side-by-side Palestinians and Israelis who are doing business together, who live next to each other, are in relationship with one another. That's what everybody wants to see, but yet they have this conflict that's going on. So what what does a pathway towards peace look like? And then let me ask a sub-question. That in the middle of that, how do we pray during all the different things that we're seeing kind of uh, coming out of the area of Gaza? Yeah, I think that the, the pathway forward is for all of us commit, just to recommit ourselves to following after Christ and to living by his word. Uh, we talk a lot at the Denison Forum about what it means to live and to speak the truth in love. And whether it is in politics and in uh, conflict between nations, that still applies. Our goal needs to be that we would love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We would love each other as we love ourselves. And that includes loving our enemies, as Jesus said. Uh, now, obviously, when it comes to these kinds of major conflicts among, uh, among nations and groups, uh, we, have to, uh, we have to give people the ability to defend themselves. There's no question that the Israelis were unjustly attacked and have a right as a nation to defend themselves. But at the same time, we should be pursuing peace at every level. Uh, and at the same time, you know, the guys, it's really hard, but there are some people who are consumed by evil and they desire nothing but power for themselves. And the world is challenged at all kinds of levels to contain that kind of an agenda, that kind of evil. Now, how do we pray? I think we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms. We pray for all of the leaders on all sides of this. We pray that the, that the leaders of Hamas would be either contained or converted to Christ. Why wouldn't we pray for that? Uh, why wouldn't we pray for everyone involved in this in, in Israel as well as in Gaza, uh, in the West Bank, and in the surrounding nations? Why wouldn't we pray for the leaders of Iran who seem to be backing so much of this? We can pray for any of them and every one of them to be converted to Christ and to love justice and to seek peace. Uh, we need to be praying that passionately, and we need to be praying that God would put this on our heart in a way that he wants us to be involved, and especially starting with our prayers, but also participating in humanitarian support. Christmas is the time of celebrating and giving. Uh, can we carve out some of our resources 
to support particularly humanitarian uh, efforts going on through the Red Cross, Samaritan's Purse, other groups that we support like Texas Baptist Men, people who are on the ground, particularly helping civilians on both sides, uh, Palestinian and Israeli. Those are things that are real, that matter, and that we can do starting right now. Mm, thank wow. you. That's that's helpful. We need a strategy, right? God gives us strategies and we need to use those strategies in our fighting alongside for peace. Yes. Okay. And Mark, if I could be so bold, would you please lead us in prayer as we're wrapping up our time together? Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for that opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you on this beautiful, good day heading further into the season of Advent, getting ready to celebrate your birth. God, we know that you are the Prince of Peace and that you desire that in every person's heart. You desire that among neighbors. You desire that among nations. And God, we just pray right now that you would bring an end to this conflict. God, we pray that you would convert these leaders into a place of humility before you and that, God, they would come to love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, whether they be Israeli or Palestinian, even those that are uh, leading terrorist groups, God, that you can get the attention of any and every person. And we know you desire to do that. God, we pray for the protection of civilians, especially children and women, and every person that is innocent and desiring peace in this conflict, God. We pray that the leaders would humble themselves before you. And God, we pray that you would show us what our part is to support all that you're trying to do in redeeming the world. God, we know that you can do anything because uh, Christmas teaches us that. The resurrection teaches us that. So we trust you and we want to be a part of what you're doing as your co-workers and as your ambassadors today. God, send us as ambassadors of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.